Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Holly Brandon, author of Life in the Chastity Zone. It's a combination romantic comedy, fictional memoir, chiclet on steroids kind of book about a 30-year-old woman chasing her dream of a fairy tale life. And I think you're really going to love hearing what Holly has to say. Uh, But before we get started, here is the inside scoop on Holly. Holly Brandon breaks free from her analytical side to produce Life in the Chastity Zone, holding a Ph.D., MS, and BS in civil engineering, Holly is best known for her published works in the Journal of Earthquakes, Earthquake Engineering and Engineering Vibrations, and Earthquake Science. Unbelievable as it may appear, many of the scenes in Life in the Chastity Zone are based on true life experiences. Holly invites readers to follow chastity on her crazy and hilarious adventures in her search for love and happiness. With more to come, Life in the Chastity Zone is the first in an unforgettable brand new Chastity Zone series. For more information about Holly and her work, visit her website at authorhollybrandon.com. Well, hi, Holly. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Thank you, Sarah. I look forward to this. And I'm excited to talk to you about your story. I loved your book, Life in the Chastity Zone. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Thank you. It's all based, I mean, it's sad to say, it's all based on true life experience. Uh, Well, at least 90% of it is. The names are changed, some things are changed, but it's based on my own stories. I thought it would be fun, you know, at the time when these things happened, I thought, God, this is terrible. Why did I have to go through this? Or, you know, why did this happen to me? And I was able to spin it in a very funny, hopefully a funny, lighthearted way that people enjoyed to read. And, And it was healing to write it. It was very healing. I'd say that. Yeah, so I was wondering, I knew you said that 90% of the stories were true, but I wasn't sure about the characters, whether you created that character or if that was based off of... Oh, no, they're all based off of men. They're all based, <laughs> they're all based off of different people. The, the little psychic in the book, the little girl, she's based on a very good friend of ours. He's since passed, but he was a psychic and a healer. And so it came, I thought, you know, what can I add? Like, what little twist could I add to the book to make it come alive? And I remembered back to all his stories and things that happened or, you know, you have to believe in this stuff. A lot of people don't believe in the clairvoyance and different things. I'm the true believer in it. Mm. And, you know, he brought such a perspective. I I think the little girl helps. It, It helps bring a perspective into the book with her. Yeah, I hope it does. No, actually, she was one of my favorite characters, because she was kind of, kind of spooky a little bit, you know, but it's like, how does she know all this stuff? And then you find out more about her as the story goes along. And I I really liked her. She was fun. And of course, that's what I thought it would add, like, it would add a different layer, it would add and and he was throughout our life giving us things, you know, he'd see different people in our lives that have passed on. He'd see things before they would happen. You know, I was riding a horse one time when I was, God, I must have been 10 years old, and I was going over the jumps, and all of a sudden he screamed out to my mom, she's going to fall, she's going to fall, and it's going to be bad. And, you know, two minutes later it happened. And so the horse almost hit, he came an inch from hitting my head. 
I was throwing over the jump and the hoof almost hit my head. And that was the last time I actually, you know, did jumpers. So it was something, it was a bit of a reckless endeavor of mine when I was very young. And after that, I, you know, my mom pulled me off the horse and said, I can't do it. I can't sit there. And I can't sit there with him telling me it's going to happen and then watch it happen in slow motion. So, I mean, there's other been good things where he says, you know, Prince Charming's going to come into my life. You know, he didn't turn out to be Prince Charming. He sure did look like it, though. So, I mean, those were, those were happier moments. Um, yeah. But it definitely brought excitement, and he brought a lot of love and excitement. And I just, I didn't see him as an older character. I saw him as a little girl that it, it would be better. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Now, what inspired you to actually sit down and write the story? I was actually working on my PhD at the time in engineering, and I was so frustrated with that and then frustrated with my dates that I wasn't married yet. You know, everybody has a timeline on things. And, you know, with my family, everyone was married by the time they were 22, 23, 24, and I wasn't. And I was thinking, okay, what's wrong? And I'm dying in these, you know, these calculations, and it wasn't fun. And I don't know. One day I just picked up a pen and I started writing about my dates. I have no idea why. I was told in high school I would never write. You know, I was gifted in the terms of the math and science and, and those in that field, but I was not gifted as a writer. I mean, mm. boy, I was told that by every single English teacher I had. And so I just started journaling. I started writing down my dates, these wild, crazy dates, because they were wild. They were something I just thought, why are they happening to me? You know, I'm kind of boring. So I don't understand that these boys are acting so bizarre. You know, it takes it to a different level. It's not anything my friends were experiencing. And it made me feel better. And it made me laugh. And all of a sudden, I was doing more with my engineering. And I think just because I had this outlet, this Mm. outlet of humor. And yeah, I finished my engineering and was just kept on writing. And thought, okay, well, it took me a long time. I will say that. It was about 10 years. It took me from start to finish to finish life in the chastity zone. Wow. It, you know, had many different ways that that was laid out. And, and I kept turning it, twisting and turning and throwing chapters, you know, each different way to make them flow. I, and I started learning about writing and, mm-hmm. you know, self-taught and had a really great editor and the rest is history. I love it. So. That's a great story. And I love talking to, you wouldn't believe how many authors I talk to that say, my English teachers told me I would never write anything. And here they are on their, you know, first book, second book, third book. I think that's amazing. And I think every one of you should go back to those English teachers and show them, give them a signed copy of your books. <laughs> no, I mean, I, my whole thing is don't listen to what anyone tells you. They told me I wouldn't even get into college. <laughs> you know, my grade point average wasn't high enough because they had horrible grades in English and history. And I think Spanish, too. I mean, I was definitely I was struggling with the language. But, you know, math and science, I aces. So she said, you're not going to get in anywhere. And I thought, I'm not going to get in anywhere. That's, you can't tell me that. There's going to be a way I can get in. And I got into every single school I applied. <laughs> it's just perseverance and not listening to people. I've, yeah. <laughs> I've learned that. You can't listen to them. You cannot. You have to find a way. If you want something badly enough, you can achieve it. Yeah. I think I'm living proof of that because they told me I wouldn't, I would be a, a makeup girl in a makeup counter, which nothing's wrong with that. I just didn't know how to put on makeup. So I thought, wow, thank you. I mean, <laughs> that makes me feel good. I truly don't know how to put on makeup. I was very much a tomboy. So I'm not quite sure where this is going, but you know, I did succeed in my own little way. Yeah. I can't believe you have so many stories. I know. And I'm still not married. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, 
I wish that weren't the case. A lot of my stories, yes, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate. At the time of having all these different stories and meeting all these just crazy characters, because a lot of them were very famous people. Mm. So it's see how I met them and oh God, how all these, you know, how it's definitely they turned into chapters. I don't think they want to know their chapters. <laughs> I haven't told some of them. <laughs> I guess you do know the others that that don't know it's better they don't know that's all I have to say Mm -hmm. but um I don't know it baffles me in a world I think gosh how have I found Mr. Right and I've kind of given up now I think well I'm enjoying and embracing the bad dates well I haven't been on a date in a year but I'm enjoying those so I think well it's giving me something to write about yeah I have to look at the good of it it's a crazy world I mean I don't think I tried internet dating for five seconds. It was ding, ding, dinging so much when I was on it. I thought, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Like, I, it's scaring me. It's like a, it's like a slot machine in, in Vegas. And I, I don't quite know what I'm supposed to do with all this information. <laughs> I was a bit overwhelmed. Like, I would say I'm a bit of a recluse, yet I have these wild dating stories. Yeah, I know. I love that about the stories in the book. It's like, her dates are, are kind of out of character, it seems, at times. A way out of character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love chastity. I love her quirkiness. And I was wondering if you could tell us, what is one of the quirkiest things that readers should know about chastity? Hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> There's so many. I don't know if it's quirky to be naive. And I think the quirkiness is to believe in this little girl and what she's telling her and to actually go and try to look for it and make her destiny come true. I don't know if that's quirky or not, mm. but I think it's pretty quirky to take advice from a little eight-year-old and say, hey, <laughs> I am going to go after my L. Who's my L? Like, which one is my L? And I think just the belief in the rose-colored glasses, she just beats at her own drum. You know, she embraces who she is and doesn't let anyone tell her she's crazy for thinking don't give away the milk for free and she's a 1950s girl and you know, that's just who she is. She doesn't feel embarrassed about it. Yeah. I don't know if it's quirky or not, but... It's a yeah, unique it character trait. We'll, we'll call it, it that. It is. In this day and age, it, it definitely is unique. And every writer, you know, writes from experience. So I'll say it wasn't, it wasn't hard to write that character. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't far off that my grandmother, her, her, you know, her grandmother in the story was definitely telling her, don't give away the milk for free. You have those silly grandparents. And... What can you say? That has got to be one of my favorite quotes. Don't give away the milk for free. (laughs) I heard that so much as a kid kid growing up. I thought, wait, what? (laughs) We don't live in your day and age. You can't just keep saying this mantra again and again and again. But, you know, they have their ways and their their ways of thinking. And and she stayed steadfast to that belief. And, yes, it it trickled down to the character for sure. (laughs) So I won't call it quirky. I will call it um, the trait uh, that I found most entertaining is how she compares men to buildings. And I, I really, I've got to say, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that was definitely the engineering. I wanted to bring an engineering twist on things to just show people, hey, you can look at this building or you can look at this man in a different way. And how do I incorporate both? And so that's what I use to kind of incorporate more engineering into the story and just a way to describe a man. And I thought, ooh, okay. <laughs> well, at first I was wondering, is it going to actually work? And then when I got into it, I thought, okay, yeah, it works. He's shiny or he's 
like the Eiffel Tower or he's definitely like Big Ben or, you know, he's different <laughs> ones that's in, in book two, but he's stocky and or he has a rigid frame or, you know, he's kind of has a brittle structure and he's going to fall down and collapse and it's definitely not there for the long run. So I thought, hmm, okay, maybe, I mean, I hope it worked, but I definitely wanted to bring some engineering into it and just not make it a, a normal chiclet novel. I wanted to have a little bit more of the science aspect into it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I love that. That was my favorite trait, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> The men were unique. I'll say that. <laughs> Finding a building that described each one was a challenge. Like, hmm, okay, we'll see, I'm six, four and... He's great on the outside, but his structure's not, you know, he's not bendable. It's not movable. So is he like, is he a moment frame? What kind of, is he a rigid frame? Is he like a, this kind of bracing, ex-bracing? What is he? And I thought that was just a good way <laughs> <laughs> to bring in a very, I wouldn't say it's a trait. Definitely that it's a quirky character. <laughs> it's yeah. not normal. Yeah. Did your family know you were writing a book or did they know you were journaling all of your experiences? I, I'm curious about their reaction to your book. They did. They knew. My mom's like, oh, this is great. This is therapeutic because, you know, she's a psychologist and she said, this is very therapeutic for you. I think this is very good for you to journal it all. And then my dad, on the other hand, he's like, you're writing about the men? Where's that going to go? You're not really a writer. So he had this self-doubt slot. I mean, he pushes me very far with the engineering. It's like, oh, come on, you know, you've got to do your engineering. Why are you, why are you wasting your time with the writing? And now that it's all done and the awards are coming in, he's like, wow, you actually did something with that. Are you actually going to get married too? <laughs> <laughs> so first it's the writing. How do you think since that came true, next will be the, the marriage. You know, the, my brother hasn't, he has yet to read it. He I think he worries he's probably in the book, which he's not, but or his character. But the rest of my family have read it. They they love it. And and mom said, Well, okay, you know, is that me? A- am I Olivia? I guess I am kind of quirky like that with the chickens. <laughs> okay. Like <laughs> and my dad said, I don't know if I wanna read it. I don't know if I wanna see myself in it. But you know, my family loves it. The relatives that have read it, they've all enjoyed it. They all see the struggles I've gone through you know, writing the book, they see the struggles I've gone through with the dating and the experiences, and they can pick out which men are which. So they definitely remember the stories. And (laughs) um, yeah, it was an adventure. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, they have to remember, I'm sure you fictionalized some of it, right? Oh, yes, a little bit. All of it. Okay. (laughs) Tongue in cheek. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about fictionalizing it. Can you give us an example of where you maybe used a bit of creative license with the situation? Sure. Okay. So the New York scene where she's in the helicopter, the helicopter happened. It was a great experience. We took a tour over New York City. I'd never done that before. I don't think I ever want to do that again. Because When I got off, a friend phone called me and said, you did what? You know, those crash all the time in the Hudson River. It's okay. Well, Mm. thank God I got off. I'm safe. We had a wonderful time. We did see the blimp. That was all true. Did the guy jump from the plane? He didn't. But I had a friend that was filming. He films a TV show. He's a director in New York. And he films, I don't want to say which TV show, because everybody would know it. And he's filming right now that same TV show. And he was actually hanging off a helicopter the next day, filming a scene where the guy jumped. Oh my so, gosh. you know, they do a lot of stunt stuff like that. So that's where it came from. 
Wow. <laughs> so they do that wild and crazy stuff. So yes, it's fiction in a sense. It just was a couple, you know, that was the only time that the story got, you know, weaved in with another story. Mm-hmm. So. You're a bit of a daredevil, huh? Oh, I do do some things. Like I used to snowboard a lot and, and I love that. I don't, you know, I broke my tailbone twice, so I haven't been oh. back on the mountain. But, you know, I had some friends that were part of Winter X. So I snowboarded with them. So keeping up with them was, that was quite a challenge, but I've been skiing since I've been three and I love the mountains and love doing stuff like that. And it's just, yeah, people don't, they look at me and they say, huh, you're a little too fragile. I can't imagine that you were snowboarding and, you know, you did this horseback riding, this crazy stuff. And, you know, you just, I like trying things. Now, not to extend, I would never go parachuting, Mm. but the snowboarding was great. When you grow up as a kid doing it, you don't know that this is being reckless or going too fast until you do break your tailbone. You're like, okay, I was a little reckless, but the guy was really gorgeous. And I wanted (laughs) to keep up and impress him. And I thought, if I don't keep up, he's going to dump me. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Which, in hindsight, I think that was probably good I got dumped. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I love all your stories. It's very exciting. So you journaled all your stories, and then you kind of put them all together. Did you kind of have an idea how the story would go? Or... Did you kind of let Chastity take the lead and let her determine how the story was going to go? I let her just, one thing flowed into the next, I, I, and she took the lead. I had no idea where it was going to go. I knew all these different adventures happened, and I didn't even know how to put them into a story. Mm. So then when I started putting it together, I was at 800 pages, and I thought, hmm, okay, this is a lot. <laughs> you know, I can't have a book that's 800 pages. So what am I going to do here? And where is it going to go? And I even, I don't even know, like for my third book, I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to end. So the process just flows, you know, I start and then one thing leads to the next and chastity decides where she's going to go. And I couldn't say, no, I don't have a map. I I think I should probably have a map, but I don't have a map. And it's turned out great that way. I like to just write what comes and she seems to know what she wants and she seems to grow as a character, and I'm learning a lot from her and learning a lot from writing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like if you have a general idea of where the story is going, maybe it's better if you don't map it out because I feel like if you have like a really strict timeline or, or an outline that maybe you, you hold yourself back a little bit by doing that. I, I think you it's... hold back the creative process and you think, well, what happens? I can't let her do this or I can't let her experience this or because it's not in my outline. So that's where I worried. I thought I can't have her, I can't be so controlling, like I can't be so rigid as an engineer, and I've got to let her go where she wants to go. And Mm -hmm. it's going to just flow. I have to say with book two, I'm looking at that thinking, wow, I didn't ever think of this stuff. (laughs) You know, I knew where I wanted her to go, yet I didn't know this is the way she would end up. I didn't Mm -hmm. see that. Yeah. Wow. So what was the editing process like with 800 pages? I hired an editor. She's great. I hired an editor for the first book. And what I did with the 800, I didn't even, I didn't show her that. I thought, okay, where can I cut this? Where can I, you know, go through the book and have a stopping point that leaves people wanting to read more? Because she said to me, do I want it as a standalone or do I want to make it in a series, Mm -hmm. into a series? And, you know, I had to figure that out first. I thought I'm not going to boggle her mind because it's what I want. 
So that's what I did. I took that first and figured out where to cut it. And then I gave it to her and we went through and she taught me a lot about writing. I will say that. But yeah. I learned a lot from her. I love my editor. Yeah. She, well, that's she's the great. best thing that ever happened to me. And she's like a best friend now. Well, yeah, I think that's important. I think your editor is probably your most important relationship, especially if you're self-publishing a book. I, I just feel like that is one step that you can't skip. No, and they need to have the same sense of humor because otherwise they're not going to understand and you'll have a fight about wanting to cut things out and not cut things out. So they need to, they need to get your sense of humor for sure. And, Mm -hmm. and, and like your story and want to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I I would dare say some people don't understand my book at all. And that's okay. (laughs) I'm okay with that too. Well, what has the overall response been to life in the chastity zone? The ones that love it are the ones that know me. So they know the story, like the people that really love it. And say, you know, God, Holly, I love it. It's the ones that know me and know what I've gone through and know the different guys. And, and the other people, you know, strangers love it too. I'm not going to say they don't. They do. They, they have a sense of, wow, you know, I've been through this. Dating is awful. You've really spelled it out how harsh it can be. You've spelled out the harsh realities of when you're trying to overcome something, you know, from losing somebody and and overcoming a physical ailment you've really shown us that you can still be strong and mm-hmm. and power through it and so yeah people seem to enjoy it it's just people love it more when they know you know like oh i know that guy so it, it excites them more i guess yeah well yeah if you can relate to a specific part of the story. Yeah, that's that's Person. always more fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now you said you're writing three books. So three books in the series. So that's what it looks like right now. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I, I just finished the second one and I'll start editing that and, and going through it and tearing it apart and cutting out and keeping parts and and the third one, I have to start thinking about where the third one's going to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm just still focused on number two, but there'll be three in the series. That's a lot of stories. It is. <laughs> I know. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, unfortunately, right? Fortunately or fortunately, that's a lot of stories. I, I thought, gosh, for the third one, I don't know if I have any left. <laughs> and I don't know if I want to make new crazy stories, but I'm, I'm sure I'll come up with something. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure something will happen and it'll and it'll lead way into the third book. I'm sure chastity will lead you there. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. You know, you get to you love your characters. I mean, I've never done this process before, but I have to say I love my characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm living with my characters. I know what each one's going to say. I mean, I, I, I get that and every writer probably says that, but you truly have to love your characters. And I do. I get a kick out of them. Yeah, you have to kind of know what they're going to do, how they're going to react, what they're thinking. You have to embrace your characters for sure. What was your favorite character, aside from Chastity, to write? Brent. I loved Brent. (laughs) (laughs) He is just a character and a half, and the things that come out of his mouth, I loved him. He's unexpected, and talk about quirky, he is definitely quirky and a narcissist and you know sure he's handsome but he's he's the unexpected and I loved him I will (laughs) say I loved him the most because I just didn't expect to even have him in the book and then he came along I thought you know 
you've been great. You're a great bike riding partner. You're a great walking buddy. Now, how can I fit you into this book? I know I can fit you because all you do is become, you become my sex coach, which is so bizarre. that he <laughs> has to, you know, explain all his theories because he's quite the womanizer. So why is this listed? I thought, you know, I don't know a lot. I'm loving this. I'm getting an earful from a man about sex mm. and about relationships and everything because he just spills the beans. So I thought, you know, I need this character. Where can I put him in? And, you know, so develop Brett. <laughs> Voila, there he is. So what do you like to do when you're not riding? I bike ride a lot and I like to play golf. Golf and tennis. Like tennis is my, when I have a frustrating day, I'll just go hit on the ball machine. And I love that. It gets my angst out. And I love to go golfing. I golf a lot with my nephew and we ride our bikes around with our little bells on our bikes. And um, <laughs> You know, and I have chickens, so I love having a miniature garden, you know, with the chickens and it's building things. So I tend to do a lot of things like cooking. I, I bake a lot. So it's it's a nonstop whirl of activities that keep me busy. Yeah. And definitely, like, I, I raised my little nephew, so it's, it's nonstop. They're a handful, especially on Zoom. Homeschool, you know, I, I praise teachers. Teaching is very hard. And I never thought, you know, he does a lot on Zoom and I just have to homeschool a bit too. And it's a full-time occupation, I'll say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hear emergency every five minutes. I love him. I never thought I would be a mom and, you know, unexpected things happen. Yeah. And it's been a blessing. It's been a real treasure. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I think a lot of parents are finding out how awesome teachers really are from this past year. <laughs> Oh my gosh, are they ever? <laughs> I mean, I get it because when I was teaching, you know, in college, I was a TA. It was I got up there on my first day and thought, "Why are you guys all on your cell phone?" They didn't even look at me. I thought, "How am I going to survive this? <laughs> I don't know how my teacher does it. How do you engage? So engaging students is an art form. It's a gift, and teachers definitely have it. I don't have that gift." <laughs> I will admit it. I struggled through that. I don't have the gift because I get too nervous in front of people. Mm. But, you know, the teachers that have it, it's amazing how they can engage students and, and how they can get the students to learn. And, yes, I mean, this year has taught me that. This year has taught me, wow, even, even getting the second grader because he's in second grade. Oh, my goodness. How, how do I teach him this stuff? How do I get him to do homework and, and listen and play and keep life fun and interesting so they have as normal of a childhood? Yeah. you know, as, as I had. And that's what, it's a lot. <laughs> you, you are incredibly busy. I don't see how you have time to write because writing is so all-consuming to me. I, wow, kudos to you. I get up early. Yeah. Thank you. I get up, I have my time slots. I have my quiet time during the morning and quiet time at night. And that's when I write. That's mm -hmm. when I let it flow. And I just, it, you know, I only have my designated hours, but I seem to get a, a lot done in that period of time. Yeah, yeah. Think about your debut journey as a novelist. And what was one of the most surprising things you learned that you can pass on to emerging authors? Marketing. I had no idea how to market a book. And it's difficult. It's very hard. And when you go about self publishing, you don't realize all the things you need to know. And I had no idea about any of them. And I don't even know if I would say to someone self-publish. I'd probably say to someone, get a literary agent and have them do it for you. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And it's not what I expected. I thought it would be a lot easier. And the different drafts, like looking at drafts in my first book when it was published. And I thought, wait, this is all wrong. Weren't you supposed to catch this? You know, the people that put it together. Those are the things 
I didn't expect it all. Mm -hmm. I thought it would just be a walk in the park. And I don't honestly know if I would say to someone, self-publish a book. It's been quite a challenge. Definitely not part of my things I'm used to or know how to do. And I wish I was better at it. I wish I knew. I wish I had somebody guiding me along, telling me, oh, this is exactly how to do it. I didn't know. But it's exciting. I look at my book and think, wow, I have a book. How do I have a book? Like I have to pinch myself daily. My little journals and all these bad dates, I actually have a book in front of me. Yeah. Wow. How do I do that? So it's nice. It's a great feeling. I'll be oh, frank. <laughs> I'll bet. When you're holding your work in your hands for the first time, I just can't imagine. Yeah. So are you going to get an agent and try and go the traditional route with books two and three? I'm thinking about it. I am thinking about it. I'm not sure because, you know, people chatter. It's the peanut gallery that likes to make all their comments. And I'm not sure what they would do to my second book. And I love my second book. I love my first book. And Mm -hmm. I think would somebody change all that? That's my worry. Would they change it? Would they tear it apart? Would they change the characters? I don't know. But it is the route that I'm definitely investigating. Yeah, I am seeing if it might be an option. Yeah. But I don't know if I will. I, I, I enjoyed self-publishing in the end because I had all the creative rights. You know, I could have my book the way I want it. And, I don't, and it's hard to let somebody else have something and rip it apart. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's life and they make it better or, you know, they could make it worse. I don't know if that's just me because being an engineer, I'm very controlling and, you know, want certain things a certain way. I, no. no, I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's your work. You want to, But I don't think traditional publishing takes care of as much marketing as you might think. No, well, that's the thing. That's yeah. why I, I, I'm not going to want that either. Yeah. I think it's just about learning. I guess I'm going to learn to be a better marketer. Yeah. <laughs> and a better social media person. I, I mean, I'm a little lost with that too, but I'm trying. <laughs> well, you learned how to write a book, right? You can do it. <laughs> that's how I look at it. Yes, I was told I would never be a writer and didn't even know how to have a first sentence. And I'm like, oh, God, this is terrible. Okay, well, you know, what am I going to do? You can't, you can't be defeated. So I, I just haven't been one to be defeated in life. Yeah. yeah. We got to get up and keep going. So, and I've been told a lot of times that I couldn't do something. They told me I couldn't go back to school to finish my PhD when I had my levator Annie syndrome. And I couldn't do that. It wouldn't be possible. I'd be in too much pain. And I just found a way. You know, in life, you have to believe that and research and try and find new ways. And it's never a no way. No one knows anything. You know, you know how much you can try to do something, but it's never a no. You have to create your yes. Yeah. Well, that's great advice right there. Thank you. <laughs> Well, Holly, thank you so much for joining me today. It's really, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and learning more about you and your work. Thank you, Sherry. It's been delightful. I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on your podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Holly Brandon, author of Life in the Chastity Zone. For more information on Holly, visit her website at authorhollybrandon.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews on InsideScoopLive.com.